All right, welcome back to the Quantum, ha- Quantum Heart Cafe, everyone. I hope everyone's had a wonderful day, and uh, I'm here with a very special guest. Uh, I'm pleased and honored to have Alana Freeland on uh, the channel or on the show tonight. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar with Alana, Alana Freeland is a researcher, a creative writer, a, a teacher, professional storyteller, and most importantly, uh, Alana has written the, uh, I'm not sure if this is the, the right word to uh, refer to your body of work, but the Geoengineering Transhumanism uh, Trilogy. It's a series of three books, and Alana Freeland has just wrapped up the third book, which is uh, Geoengineering Transhumanism, and I have the full title <laughs> with me. Uh, it is How the Environment Has Been Weaponized by Chemicals, Electromagnetism, and Nanotechnology for Synthetic Biology. And it's the third book that's part of a, a trilogy. The first, and if you're interested, I, I mean, I, I recommend the whole series. Uh, the first book being uh, Chemtrails, Harp, and Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. And the second book being Under an Ionized Sky, uh, Chemtrails, and uh, Space Fence Lockdown. And uh, you can, I'm going to provide links to all three books. So if people want to check out Alana's work, then you can uh, follow. I'm going to link to both the Rudolf Steiner book for the people who are living in the States. And then if you're in Canada, I have a link to a local bookstore. It's a Banyan Books and Sounds. And they order, they often order in Alana's works up here. So if you're, um, in Canada, you like to order a copy of those, those books. I'll make that available as well. Um, on the show, I try and support local bookstores as much as I can. Um, you know, sometimes you have to go to the bigger stores if there's no, nothing else available, but, uh, so you won't see me very often, um, linking to big corporations. I'll be focused mainly on local bookstores. And, uh, today's show is going to be about Alana's latest book on geoengineering transhumanism. Uh, and um, within that uh, conversation, we're also going to include uh, a bit of information about uh, Rudolf Steiner, who is a, um, I think the, forgive me if uh, the name, the he's a Christian mystic. And he wrote. Actually, he's, he was actually a PhD in physics scientist. Oh, wow. And he's he's just not given credit for that. So people think of him as just a mystic, but he okay. had those skills as well. Okay. And so he was, and, and his body of work, I, I feel uh, like I felt a special resonance when I heard, because uh, that's where I first heard about Rudolf Steiner, was listening to Alana Freeland uh, give a talk on, uh, and at the time it was under an eye night sky, because uh, it was a couple of years ago, and Alana was in the middle of writing her third book. Uh, but given everything that unfolded over the last couple of years when I listened to her first um, on a, a podcast called Matrix Assassin. Really cool if you want to check it out. Um, <laughs> when I first listened to her and I heard Rudolf Steiner's name, it was almost like, oh, it was like something, an important light bulb went off. Um, so I st- ever since then, I've been checking out his work as well. And I feel like just given what we're going through right now, um, both Alana's work and Rudolf Steiner's work is incredibly important and helpful to helping us uh, navigate what we're experiencing right now. And that's kind of what will be at the heart of the show today is a discussion on geoengineering 
and you know peppered in between uh, discussions on uh, consciousness and uh, some of Rudolf Steiner's work. Uh, and to begin, um, we're going to begin first, though, before we get into the uh, conversation, we're going to talk with uh, just a, a little bit of gratitude. Um, and uh, Alana, is there anything grateful you're grateful for today? I am grateful for this drive in human beings to be conscious. I believe everybody has that drive, but some people get diverted, some people uh, get depressed, some people have very difficult lives, uh, but the drive is still there, and I'm very grateful. And that's even in the midst of all the technology that we're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and I'm I'm grateful for just uh, you know having you on the show tonight. It's a it's a big honor. Um, a lot of respect for your work and what you've done, and uh, I'm grateful too that we had the heat wave here. I don't know if you experienced it in where you're at as well. Yes. Uh, they're messing around with the the weather again and the so-called heat dome. Air quote here. It's not real, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so I'm just kind of grateful that we're past that because it wasn't fun. It was pretty brutal. Um, and, uh, grateful to just have some cool, calm, well, not calm, but just a little bit. It's almost like they turned it up and then switched, hit the light switch and now it's cool again. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) So they're just like, oh, we don't want to fry them too much right now. So we'll just, (laughs) we'll take, you know, we should probably bring it down a notch, but I'm just grateful that that part's over. I'm sure there'll be more. Um, and also I wanted to, sh- uh, before we begin, uh, if there's any, um, beverages or any, any hot, uh, coffees that you enjoy, uh, drinking. Mm-hmm. Well, I just had a smoothie. I made myself, uh, I, I keep frozen bananas in the freezer and, um, and then I put one in and then I put some juice in and I put, this time I put some kefir in mm-hmm. and, and then a scoop of, uh, collagen uh which i'm trying out to make sure that the bones and teeth are strong as i continue to age uh and whizzed it up and and with blueberries it was really good okay so we're we're back ladies and gentlemen we had a little bit of a technical hiccup with uh with zoom uh but it's all sorted out they can't you know they can't interfere too much we got the some good strong irish ancestors uh making sure that uh, this we can keep going with the interview but we had a little bit difficult or technical difficulties but it's all good now um and then so where we uh, left off um alana friedland had been speaking about uh clifford uh, her work with clifford carnicum and how uh both her and clifford carnicum were doing most of the work on their own like no one was really talking about morgellons disease and um and the first time I, I heard about Morgellons was when I was reading Elena's uh, books and when I was listening to Elena's presentations on podcasts. Before then, I've never heard of it before. Um, and it's only recently that, you know, maybe some of the scientific establishment is waking up to what's going on, but it remains to be seen. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so... Uh, where the technical difficulties cut in. All right. I had mentioned that Clifford and I uh, had met serendipitously, but mm-hmm. that that really was written in the stars in a way mm-hmm. to 
help me get the word out for lay people. And, uh, and Clifford, of course, uh, has struggled all these years. That's, we're talking over 20 years mm -hmm. uh, in trying to attract the attention of uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Food and Drug Administration, about his very meticulously measured and, uh, and analyzed data from what the jets over Northern New Mexico, where he lived, were dropping uh, for us to breathe in. And it would go into the water supply, into the soil. I mean, it's huge. Uh, the atmosphere had been utterly changed. And Clifford has said that to me several times. So what we are breathing today that's going into our lungs and therefore into our blood and therefore into all of our cells and into the brain beyond the blood brain barrier, all of this needs to be looked at differently now. But because this is a national security project, uh, what is being dumped and uh, distributed by the jets, by drones, and by sounding rockets uh, into our atmosphere here at the bottom of the Schumann well. Uh, we, we breathe from the troposphere. Most of the jets are flying in the stratosphere. Uh, and as I had said earlier, now that the ionosphere is controlled, then um, the final coup de grace for the atmosphere being completely subverted for uh, military purposes is that the, um, the ionosphere is controlled, and that means that they can hit the ionosphere with these harp uh, phase array antennas. And there are many other ionosphere heaters all around the earth. There are the big ones uh, here in the Northern hemisphere. And then there are many small ones now uh, that can aid and abet the big ones is how it really works. Uh, and so they can hit that ionosphere, uh, puncture it, with the phased array antenna uh, electromagnetic beams. And it goes, it opens up the ionosphere, balloons it out the other side, activates all the electrons to come off of the atoms and to be ionized, to be activated, either positive or negative. And then those are now drawn down to the troposphere where we breathe. So basically we're breathing air that is uh, heated like a battery, like a, like a bunch of antennas, like a, a huge antenna farm. And um, this capability to use the ionosphere to ionize the atmosphere makes it so that wireless operations can be in the, in the trillions. Uh, and uh, everything is now wireless and rays are moving through us. And as soon as the 
you know, a baby in the womb is, is constantly being bombarded by rays. And so this is part of the move toward transhumanism as well. Uh, this uh, utilization of the atmosphere as a sort of um, a sort of oven, uh, an incubation uh, to uh, to be able to control not just communications but uh, the waves themselves and what the waves are doing to the human organism, to the plant organism, to the animal organism, etc. So. So this is a very, very big thing. And how much do we hear about it in the mainstream media? Pretty much zero. All we hear about is uh, solar radiation management, maybe. That, you know, they're going to try to block the sun's rays because, because you know, that, that's not good for us. Or uh, they're going to try to limit the carbons uh, that are being produced in societies because that's not good for us. When the truth is, that we are being assaulted with a very real agenda behind it. So that said, now I had gotten to the point where Clifford and I did the red wine test and we did the looking at the, um, at looking through a microscope at our, my red blood cells and my seeing that uh, this Morgellons uh, creation, this biotechnology bioengineered uh, pathogen is sucking all the iron out of my blood, uh, my red blood cells. Um, so that, that, that was a huge message to me. Then from there, I jumped ahead several years to when I was talking about Morgellons and um, it's badly named. Clifford has renamed it basically as the cross domain bacteria because it was a gain-of-function treated bacterium uh, that uh, they used to create this entity that then I would assume the CIA misnamed Morgellons, which is a term from the 18th century for a skin ailment, very different from what this is. This is not a skin ailment, even though you will see it present in people as lesions uh, with wires sticking out of the lesions, interestingly enough, and the wires are all color-coded. Um, no, it's not a skin ailment. It's a blood assault. The same kind of thing we're seeing now or we're hearing from doctors and researchers who are, are studying uh, exactly what the serum, what is in the serum, is doing to the blood of those who have had uh, the inoculations. And what they're seeing is uh, all manner of blood problems, right? Uh, heart problems, circulation, circulatory system problems, uh, even to the point of the embalmers of the dead bodies, seeing these long plastic-like strands in the veins and arteries of, of the dead. So um, yes, this, this assault on the blood, have we heard of this before? Yes, we have. The, uh, the human blood is a very unique elixir, you might call it, a carrier of, uh, of, of some portion of our soul life. Uh, there are many, many indications of this. I used to, you know, years ago when I was a storyteller, 
uh, and I was learning myths, legends, and fairy tales that I told to uh, audiences all over the place. Um, I, I I was amazed by in the fairy tales how many uh, tales are based around blood. Uh, three drops of red blood on the handkerchief is the mother's blessing for her daughter. Uh, you know the the idea that blood has its own significance. It's not just a liquid that moves through our body and we need in order to uh, handle oxygen, in order to you know make that transference that goes on that we need for life. No, the blood is uh, you know you hear of blood rites. Uh, you hear of blood rituals, you hear of uh, blood sacrifices, uh, you hear of these horrible satanic rituals in which blood is is drunk by people from from the victim. And um, so so this this idea of an assault on the blood fits also with the idea of transhumanism. So it isn't just that they're changing our atmosphere. Uh, so that what we breathe in will change uh, our bodies uh, to, I would assume, in the direction of transhumanism, certainly not in the direction of health. Uh, and uh, and then also this actual assault on the blood of this pathogen that sucks out the iron from the red blood cells. So, uh, you know, there's enough evidence there back then back when I was just writing about those things, that it was headed toward some sort of transhuman control. At first, I thought it was just what the military calls the doctrine of full spectrum dominance. And what that means is that, you know, the entire electromagnetic spectrum, which goes all the way from gamma rays to radio and microwaves, uh, and then you have this tiny, tiny, very narrow aperture in which we have a visual uh, a visual electromagnetic spectrum for the human being. Uh, and, and we have no knowledge, really, without our machines, no knowledge of, of the rest of the spectrum to the military wants to control that entire spectrum. Uh, and uh, and that, that electromagnetic control, yeah, that's, uh, that's huge. Uh, but we tend to think of that as being uh, communication devices or electric lights or, uh, you know, something having to do with wires or wirelessness. We don't tend to think of it as being connected to the human body and the, and the, um, the energetics that run the human body. We certainly know that some of it is electromagnetic. Some of it is etheric. And that's a, a Rudolf Steiner term, but it's the same term that uh, that uh, I guess um, what what was his name? Orgon um, Wilhelm Reich, uh, an MD back in the Cold War. Uh, he renamed it Orgon. That was what he called it. This energy that is life giving, uh, unlike electromagnetics, which is not life giving. It's death giving. But we need some of it in order to think our thoughts. We need some of it in order to read at night uh, and, uh, you know, have uh, not have to go to bed at, at dusk. Uh, 
there, there are things we need it for, for our development. It's not that it's evil in any way, but that it can be utilized to actually control us. That was the thing that I really needed to be on the Morgellons uh, when I got into the second book and talked about the space fence and saw how, wow, it's all over the earth. Uh, they've got radar installations. They've got next reds. They've got um, the uh, cell towers. They've got the uh, fiber optics in the ground. They've got, you know, what, what, are, what is this? That Yes, this has to do with full spectrum dominance, but it's not just about being the head honcho on the earth. It's about controlling human society and human evolution itself. And uh, that was when I, um, I began to look more at what, what else they were doing to, uh, to have this full spectrum dominance over all of human society. Uh, and, uh, and that had to do with the nanotechnology, which I really knew the least about. And uh, so I began to study nanotechnology. Uh, um, and uh, was very surprised in the things I read, I read about three books, um, to find that it had been around since the, before the 90s, uh, maybe in the 80s, uh, and that the guy who had figured out how it might work for human society uh, was a graduate student at, I believe he went to MIT, I can't remember where, uh, and his name was Eric Drexler, and um, I read a book about him, which was probably a cheerleading book, I call them, you know, it probably wasn't totally true, but it was a bit apocryphal, actually, but in there, Eric uh, is quoted as having doubts about this thing he has discovered. Part of him thinks of it as, okay, nanotechnology, We've always had nanoparticles. Those are natural. They're in space. They're in dust, moats. They're, they're everywhere. Just tiny, it just means they're tiny, tiny bits of stuff. But to make it into a technology, now that's a separate thing. So you would have very tiny building blocks that you could use for various purposes. Uh, and those tiny building blocks are actually built of atoms themselves. And they're laid next to each other, atom beside atom, beside atom, beside atom, in order to make, make one nanometer, two nanometers, 200 nanometers, 2,000 nanometers, whatever it is, whatever the size you need. But the, nano, the nanometer is the, is the individual um, measure, and yet no nano operates out of itself. What happens is because they're atom next to atom next to atom is you're, you're basically, if you think about it, this is an industry and it is an industry uh, that is uh, on the atomic level. So the last time we had an industry on the atomic level was, oh, excuse me, the atomic bomb uh, of the Manhattan Project. So, uh, you know, I start thinking about that and go, well, okay, this is on the atomic level as well. That means it's right next to what I call quantum dimensions. It's at the very, the very beginnings of maybe not life, but materiality, physicality. Uh, it's, it's what, it's the place where 
the uh, the spirit turns into matter, basically. Uh, even if you don't believe it, you know, you're a physicist in the 21st century, you don't believe in spirit. Uh, no matter, let's use whatever word works. So um, I realized at that point that uh, this is what Eric was having, having his second thoughts about, is that the power in these nano particles, these nano, this nanotechnology, when they get together, in, individually they don't do anything, but they, they tend to clump together into mm -hmm. swarms. That's the term used in scientific papers about them, swarms and swarm consciousness. So uh, this was very uh, interesting because it, it didn't just mean that you would build like a building out of it, a ship or a, or a, a skyscraper. You could do that. You could, you could, you could make it so that the nanotechnology self-replicates to the point, give it an algorithm and it'll self-replicate into all the, all the parts they need to make the building or all the parts they need to make the ship. The, the problem with this idea is it's, it's not looking at the consciousness of these forms. And it's very clear that they have consciousness. Mm -hmm. I mean, now we're in a whole other ball game. Uh, you know, you have the idea that consciousness is some, somehow the, the human and animal domain. And some people are enlightened enough to realize that the plants too have their consciousness. Uh, and the planet Earth has her consciousness. And, uh, but now you have these nanotechnology bits and pieces that can be with the right algorithm. It can be made into anything. And then all they will do, you can't kill them because they're not of nature. They are of they are of atoms only. Uh, you, so you can't kill them. You, so the fact is, can you control them always? Well, that's what Eric came to was, no, there may come a time when you simply can't control them and they will just gobble up the entire earth. They'll just take it all, just munch it all up. Uh, biophage, I think he called it. You know, they just eat the earth. They eat life, eat life. And in a way, that's what I think of when I hear about the latest um, nanotechnology found in the serums going into people's arms uh, is uh, I think of that, that uh, along with the graphene oxide, which is a, a huge player in this drama unfolding before us now, which I consider totally a transhuman move uh, mm -hmm. uh, now that now that everything has been set up inside of us, as we have breathed this uh, this absolutely transformed atmosphere, and we are breathing in a lot of nanotechnology that is coming down from the trails, uh, that is being distributed purposely, uh, and, and we are the hosts of these uh, tiny machines called nanotechnology. Uh, which are, yes, they're machines, but, but they have a consciousness that is all their own. Uh, and, uh, and that the masters of the universe, the to be masters of the universe who seem to be running our planet, um, are, uh, the controllers of, are the ones that control the big tech that can direct these 
tiny machines inside our bodies, inside our brain, uh, and that um, we are now uh, subject to uh, a relationship with the machine that we had, I doubt that very many people had ever imagined that Mm -hmm. the relationship we would have with the machine would not be uh, like the idea of we're taken over by, yes, mind control can do it, can turn you into a zombie, can turn you into someone who does the will of another. Uh, we have the idea also of um, uh, of uh, being yoked to a machine outside of ourselves that's constantly telling us what to do. But the idea that we would be uh, in have indwelling tiny, tiny machines that all have a consciousness of together, uh, but are now being remotely run by AI systems uh, up in satellites or triangulating here on the earth in some way. Uh, I don't think we had imagined that this could happen. Uh, And yet it's already done. Uh, It's simply a matter of activating these nano machines that are now in our bodies and brains. And I think that this is this buildup to uh, really activating them, similar to what we saw in the famous Wuhan footage uh, three, two and a half years ago, where we see these people dropping dead. And then we hear that, oh, those are just actors. And, you know, it, it, it was all mixed up and, and confused so that people wouldn't think too too seriously about it. But I immediately knew that it had something to do with 5G because 5G is a lot more than we have been told it is. It's not about fast movie downloads at all. Uh, it is uh, about running these tiny machines that are now inside of us that all began way back when Clifford Carnicum started discovering the Morgellons in people uh, or the Morgellons that seem to be coming from the chemical trails falling to the earth, and then boom, they're somehow in us, they're in our saliva, they're in our red blood cells. And that was the beginning of what uh, now we learn is hydrogel, uh, graphene oxide, uh, luciferase, uh, and all these computer parts that are in these serums being inoculated into people. So we have a, a real thread going from the past to where we are now. Uh, as far as what to do about it, I mean, now, of course, the way human beings are, we're so wonderfully flexible and, and we can learn once we know that, uh, we're, we're threatened. We can, we can start doing things that already people are figuring out what you do in order to limit the number of nano uh, tech, the number of nanobots, nanorobots that are in your body and taking over this and that and, and well, how to get the heavy metals that have been dumped on us for now almost three decades, uh, out of our bodies because the metals produce the conductivity, uh, that is needed in order to run these nanobots that are in our bodies. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of on it now. We're, we're, we're pursuing this now. Uh, now we have the the uh, the inoculated who also need some help because now they are 
we're all loaded with graphene oxide because they're using graphene oxide in all sorts of geoengineering. Uh, and we've all breathed it in for a couple of decades. But, um, but the, the inoculated are particularly uh, beset by uh, graphene oxide. And so, um, you know, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's all about the, uh, the sort of artificial man. It's the artificial blood vessels, the artificial nerves, the artificial, the titanium hip was sort of the beginning of this. The implants, the uh, the teeth, uh, these these the sort of nanotechnology that goes into building these fake teeth and then sticking it in. All of this is is sort of enhancements or or help aids uh, in bodies that aren't working uh, properly after decades of junk food and genetically modified food. I put that in quotation marks because that is not food. Uh, you know, Russia now has made it a felony to bring any GMO seed into Russia. You go to prison. And so they obviously know something real about the future. And it's not about not corporations that are just trying to make a profit before people drop dead. So, um, so this this uh, this whole uh, idea of what it means to be human, this might be the blessing uh, in this curse that has now fallen upon us uh, mm-hmm. through this, uh, this so-called vaccination program, uh, in that we now have to really think about what do we think being human means? Uh, is it just having a head and a torso and a couple of legs and arms? Uh, or, or is there something more to a human being? Um, why, why are these people in big pharma? I assume they're still people. I mean, they look like people. I'm not sure. They might be clones. They might be, uh, being run by, you know, some syndicate that is all AI run. I have no idea. The science fiction, uh, that comes to mind is, is quite ghastly. Um, but, uh, well, what, what are, why are they so intent upon changing the body? Yeah, okay, they want to get to the brain, sure. But the human spirit is, it, it indwells the body and the brain. Uh, it is not the body and the brain. So I know that, in my opinion, as a Rudolf Steiner student, uh, I know that these occultists at the very top of the food chain of big pharma, certainly big pharma, because I know a lot about World War II. And IG Farben was a massive, massive contributor to world, to both wars, World War One and Two. I mean, World War One was a chemical war, for God's sake. It, it wiped out an entire generation of European youth. Uh, I think it was like 70 million or something. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, and uh, that was big pharma. And then, you know, where I really kind of solidified my theory about this big pharma cartel, uh, because the IG Farben after World War II made out like a bandit. I mean, it was so rich. And so it, it, di- it diversified into, I don't know, 10 or 12 companies, one of which was Bayer. Uh, Monsanto was born at that time. Probably it was connected to uh, the uh, IG Farben, uh, but was uh, was in the 90s when there was this um, 
this crisis in Belgium regarding uh, sort of their their Epstein pimp, pimping for the elites by stealing people's children. Um, and um, his name was Dutroux. And the Dutroux affair, I was able to read some excellent accounts uh, regarding what elites in what castles, what elites owned what castles in which children were being raped and murdered and their blood uh, drunk. Um, uh, I, 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 I checked all the family names. There was a list of about nine or 10 families. So I went and did some research and, oh, well, what a surprise. They're all big pharma. They're all corporate big pharma families, wealthy beyond belief, um, committed to a satanic uh, way of looking at pharmaceuticals uh, and the use of drugs to control people. These are the ones that run the entire international drug syndicate, the one the CIA kowtows to as it stashes its profits from from all of its drug operations over the board, the, op- the open borders that sound so humane. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, the story just goes on and on. And these, these are the, the main culprits in my book because they're, they're running, they're running the chemicals that are dropping from the sky, which have the nanotech in them. They're running the genetically modified seed uh, in the fields of uh GMO foods. Uh, they, they run the fertilizers. They run the all that uh, insecticide, uh, and and then lo and behold, they're running all the inoculation serums that are going into babies and uh, and healthy people in the name of uh, I don't know what more health. Uh, <laughs> no, no, just to make you sick and die when we electromagnetically send the message that it's time to die. So um, very much like, now that I think of it, wow, that's one of my favorite scenes in all the movies is Blade Runner uh, at that last scene when um, the, the uh, transhuman the, the, uh, is with a real human who's a is the one that has come to kill him to eliminate uh, the transhuman. And the transhuman talks about his experiences, it's a very moving scene. And then he looks at the real human and says, time to die. And then he dies. Uh, and really that that is exactly how I see this technology working, mm-hmm. is that the decisions for life or death uh, are for the inoculated are no longer theirs. Uh, and soon those decisions are probably not even going to be ours who have chosen not to be inoculated. Um, so so this, this electromagnetic chemical nanotechnology setup that serves synthetic biology, the synthetic biology that will create the transhuman. Uh, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why I wrote this huge book is, uh, 
people don't realize it's already done. And we're, we're like the spiders, right? We're in the spider's web. Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned the spiders that Rudolf Steiner quotes as being uh, in, um, in the spiritual world, in our world, you can't see them, but they're entities. And we're like in a web. And of course, the Hopi Indians long ago talked about how there would be a technology from the white man that would go like webs across the sky. <laughs> we're there. We're in the spider's web. Uh, mm -hmm. And so this is when human beings who are basically strike me as, for the most part, incredibly lazy. Uh, this is where the human being shines is when it's almost over <laughs> and, and there's only a little bit that needs to be done, but it's going to be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, they, <clears throat> they tend to step up to the plate because basically, basically we're born good mm -hmm. and we have a radar for good. And only after we get going and all the temptations and all the culture that we have to be involved in, only then do we begin to lose our way if we don't have a proper relationship with the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's probably the tragedy of the Western human being, Western civilization human being, is that uh, rich in material items, incredibly destitute and poor in spiritual uh, relationship with the spiritual world. Uh, and, uh, and, and this, uh, this, this never pays off. <laughs> this, this will, this is no profit. This is beyond zero profit. Uh, so for me, uh, with my Romanian heritage, um, you know, R Romanians are always half, uh, half mystics. Uh, I, um, I very much have known from when I was a little girl raised by my grandmother, who was a Roma, a gypsy, um, that there is a spiritual world. No big deal, said grandma. That's how things are. And to be anything else and to deny the presence of the spiritual world is to be incredibly, well, I don't know, uh, mentally challenged at the very least. Uh, because it's, uh, I don't know, it looks pretty evident to me that nature and and the, the greatness of the stars and everything else is very intelligently put together uh it's mm -hmm. definitely not that of a chaotic raving psychopath like, like like we are allowing to run our world um you know, so i mean i'm laughing but uh there long ago i i wept when i realized how bad it was i wept and then i just girded up my loins and got busy because I'm here very much out of my own will. I wanted to be here for this era. I can't believe I have to pinch myself to realize how fortunate I am that I'm here for this collapse that's coming. That, that's already underway. Uh, and, uh, and now we will see what people are really made of. That's my hope. Mm -hmm. And um, as one of the reasons what inspired me to make this podcast was because I do also think that we're meant to hear 
and be in certain places for a reason. And just like you said, like we incarnated at this time for a reason. And just reading Rudolf Steiner's work, I've been reading uh, his esoteric science book. Human beings are a lot older than what we think. Like we've gone, (laughs) you know, we're very old. We've gone through many phases. And I think the West, even Steiner said the West has a lot of catching up to do with some of the other cultures that are already, you know, have a spiritual, a very vibrant spiritual uh, center. And it's like we're, I think we're starting to see that a little bit in, even in some of the the mainstream, I say mainstream science, because when they talk about quantum uh, physics, but I think they put their spin on it so that it's kind of like, like I've been studying a little bit of astrology as well, just to learn more about my own chart. Uh, And, you know, they have the watered down coffee, uh, you know, little horoscopes for people to read. But astrology is old. It's centuries old, like thousands of years old. And it's not something to be sneezed at. It's a it's a spiritual science, just like human beings, just like the the work of Rudolf Steiner is not something to be sneezed at. Like it's a lot there's a lot there. And I also want to encourage readers to or listeners to read. You know, like for as you were uh, giving your presentation, what really came to mind was just how important it is to read and study um because the physics that we're taught in school is not enough to understand the physics of their physics of what they're they're using um and i hear like scalar technology coming up a lot in your book and mm-hmm. dr judy wood's work i watched her video after reading your book about uh directed energy weapons and 9-11 um and while that's like a whole conversation in of itself where i'm going with this is that if we leave it up to the air quote experts we're not going to go anywhere like they're not there to help most of them are bought and sold and and paid for um it's us (laughs) you know we're it like there's no no one's coming out of the sky to save us it's us you know we're the we're the ones that um like i said we reincarnated here for a reason and i think in one of your previous previous podcasts you were saying it's all hands on deck now and that's where i that's where this podcast i'm hoping this podcast can do some good where like time i look at i'm starting to look at time a little differently now and i just think that when things are meant to find people they will and i think when this podcast is meant to find the person that it, they will and i hope if you're listening to this um that, you know, you take this seriously and start to develop your, your consciousness and do the research, you know, read Alana's work. Like I'd, I'd say her books are a very important guide for what's going on right now. Um, having them on your shelves will help to understand what is going on because the news isn't going to talk about it, right? Like, and, and the prime example that comes to mind is with the, the so-called air quote fires, <laughs> You know, like they're not really natural fires. Like it, and you don't need a, a physics degree to understand it. Just look at the pictures, right? The pictures that they they put out there, you know, and ask yourself, like, why is it that some trees are burnt and others are perfectly fine? You know, why is it that some houses are left alone and other houses are completely destroyed? And natural fire doesn't do that. It just 
consumes whatever in its way. And so there's something very different going on. You know, why is it like I have, um, I study industrial instrumentation because uh, I became, I'm, I'm becoming a, a, an electrician and I think that's my vocational karma, which is something that Rudolf Steiner talks about. And, you know, tech, temperature doesn't just flip on and off. Like, and that's why I, I brought up the, the, the so-called heat dome is because it doesn't just flip on and off. Like things take time to cool down, but it's just like, you know, one day it's super hot and it's like they flip a switch and it's back to normal. Right. Like it, it, it doesn't, that just doesn't feel natural, right? Like temperature naturally, it takes time for things to heat up and cool. So, but you can figure this out. Like you don't need um, to go to universities and be a PhD. I mean, it helps. I'm sure, I'm sure it does, but just get a library card and go to the library and start learning and, and then just open your eyes, you know? Yeah. And I'm not sure that the PhD really helps now because it's mainly a conditioning along certain strictured lines. Uh, I don't think, uh, I, I mean, the geniuses I admire never got a PhD. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's alive is John Hutchison, who is uh, referred to by Judy Wood, because mm-hmm. he's the founder of the Hutchison effect, which had to do with what happened on 9-11. But, uh, you know, the the idea that you can self-learn, I mean, we have we have a great tradition in America with Ralph Waldo Emerson, Emerson uh, back in uh, New England among what were called the transcendentalists. I mean, being self-made uh, is is very much a, a wonderful ideal. I, I took 10 years to get my bachelor's to be just because the 60s were just, there was so much going on mm. that you had to be there. That was the school. And Rudolf Steiner actually says that the only path of initiation now that has any vitality in it is the path of life itself. Mm. And so that's, uh, that's what I recommend to people. It mostly you're a very thoughtful person. Most people are not very thoughtful. They're just completely, uh, they've been completely, uh, put under a spell by, uh, television, uh, iPhones and all the visual, uh, movies. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to reclaim themselves in order to be able to have good thinking that they can call upon in order to read. Uh, it's, uh, we've come a long way in America, uh, and it's mostly down. Uh, so, uh, it's going to take a little more strength for, for young people to, and, and older people, it doesn't really matter what age you are, mm-hmm. to gather your forces and pull them up. And hold yourself to a discipline. The word disciple is, and discipline are the same word. So, um, uh, you know, that's what I hope. That's why I keep talking, 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 by the way, mm. uh, is to, to uh, encourage people to please, please turn off your devices, limit the number of devices that you have around you, and, um, and, and start reading and thinking. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I lived without TV for a year because I, right now I, I kind of moved back home right now. So just because I'm in a, a transition, so there's televisions here. I don't turn them on, but when I was on my own for a little while, no TV. It was great. <laughs> I didn't die. I didn't, you know, I didn't. I didn't feel like a good job. I went for a walk, and you know, and, and yes, I was on uh, YouTube still watching, you know, and I can probably, I know I, that's a 
habit I need to change is just being very conscious about how I spend my time on the internet. Uh, but it, it can be done. Like it's not the end of the world if you put that stuff away. Actually, it's the beginning of opening up the world because, um, <laughs> you know, you just, uh, there's a wonderful book I read a little while ago. It's like, uh, I think it was like the enchanted world or something. I think I got the name wrong. Um, but I was just talking about how, you know, there's two ways you can see a walk. You know, you can see a walk as just a utility, like you just want some exercise and you're constantly on your phone and thinking about this and that. Or you can see walk a walk as a mini pilgrimage to reconnect with the world. And, you know, you can have conversations with the birds and have conversation with those mischievous crows and the and learn about the trees, the different trees and just there's so much life out there and that's what gives me hope is that they're they're still conscious they i mean they're being attacked too like trees are they're spraying glyphosate on trees and wanting to turn plants into transmitters and stuff like that i mean they're already doing it but they don't have a voice and i think they're also kind of <laughs> counting on us to say something as well but you know they're in it with us like i can't imagine better friends and allies than the natural world um and i can tell you they don't want this either you know um so we're not alone when you turn off the tv and you put away your phone and i try and limit my time with my smartphone i'm going back to a dumb phone uh as soon as i can uh and i even i did own one of those uh those wireless earbud things that they have I, I got rid of them as soon as I read the invisible <laughs> rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg and realized yeah. that I'm like literally frying my brain by having these airbites I threw them out I just go back to using wired um but it just you know it opens your world don't be afraid like it's okay like the the phone is overrated anyway like it the nothing beats trees <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah. So I encourage, like, just take a step, the first step. I know it's kind of like an addiction now, too. Um, but just start limiting your time with this stuff because it's really, it's killing us. So that's what that's I would say. Uh, I really appreciate, Alana, you coming on and, and staying, sticking with me as we went through that little technical uh, hiccup. Uh, you know, these things happen, but um, I hope... They happen a lot around me. <laughs> <laughs> well, for good reason. So, yeah. so I encourage people, okay. you got to get the books uh, and, and read and, and devote some time because the, you know, the future, our future generation and literally life on the planet is kind of counting on us. So um, I really appreciate, Alana, you spending time tonight um, out of your busy schedule to talk talk to me and being interviewed and... Um, my wish and my intention is that this podcast becomes something that can help people both now and in the future. Great. Um, so thank you very much for stopping by the Quantum Heart Cafe. And, um, oh, and then just before you go, do you want to have, uh, there's a conference that you're partaking in, uh, coming up. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. Can. It's, um, it's going to take place in a week in Issaquah, Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, put on by Mystech, M-Y-S Tech, T-E-C-H. And it's basically um, a, quite a few, well, I think there are a dozen speakers. 
who are talking about technology through more of a Rudolf Steiner way of looking at things. There will be people there who are not Rudolf Steiner people who are just simply talking about science and technology, uh, uh, but also there will be the um, translating into Steiner language. That's, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I uh, certainly invite people. So you would go to look up Miss Tech Conference and you'll find uh, all you need to. Then um, I wanted to also mention that I post daily on, I have one Facebook site left. They've taken two of my sites down, uh, but I have one left. It's called EMF uh, uh, Engineered uh Planetary Engineering, EMF Planetary Engineering. And then I also uh, post at gab.com, which is uh, really good in that they don't, they don't edit anything I do uh, that so far. Uh, and um, that would be at their groups page. And my group is called Geoengineered Transhumanism with Ilana Freeland. Wanted to make sure people know that because I post every morning there. And that's that's really the news for not just geoengineering, but anything that touches upon all the different, because geoengineering is really seven operations and weather is one of them, but it's only one of them. Um, and so uh, that's going on. And then, yeah, the ordering of the book, if you order through Amazon or through any bookstore that does only Amazon, you'll get the black and white edition. Uh, but if you want the color edition, you have to go through the Rudolf Steiner bookstore in Seattle, Washington. They're the only ones handling the color edition. Okay. And I'm going to include all the links to the, uh, to your Facebook group and, uh, the mice, tech, uh, conference. Mistech. Mistech. Sorry. The Mistech conference. Also, for people, I'll provide a link to the uh, Rudolf Steiner bookstore, as well as a, a couple of bookstores in Canada. Um, if you want to go use Amazon, it's up to you. But this, well, I, got I just wonder if they're values. handling <laughs> if they're handling the color edition. I don't think they are. Okay. Uh, they're only handling the black and white. That's okay. that's the distinction I want to make. There's only okay. one place you can get the color edition. There are 60 illustrations uh, in the book. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to include all those links for people if they want to uh, uh, attend the conference. It's also online as well as uh, in person. Right. Uh, right. So I'm going to include all those links. And so if people want to check those out, I highly recommend them. It sounds like the conference is going to be really amazing. Uh, and then with that all said, I thank you for stopping by the cafe. And I'm going to be doing the remainder of your book for the the next show as well. That's amazing. That's so great. You're (laughs) the first to ever do that. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. It's a really good book. And again, it's just, we're going to reiterate, you got to, people, you got to study. Like, it's it's not a, it's not a quick read. It's a, it's one where you, you know, reflective and take notes. Um, But lots of really good information in Alana's book. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was lovely meeting you. Okay. All right. Bye. Cheerio.